does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Hubler has it all. You are listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. 23 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock. Good morning to you on a Thursday. My name is Jake Query. Mark Dykton, the other voice that you hear on this program. James Adams filling in this morning on the big board. Kevin will be back on Monday. So the big news yesterday, Derek Carr. And that immediately led to speculation or conjecture from people. Would Derek Carr be a candidate for the Indianapolis Colts? Now, there are a couple of ways to look at exactly that question. Number one, there seemingly will be a number of teams that will be interested in the services of Derek Carr, which when you really look at it is interesting because I do think, and I have said many times, that I think Derek Carr is a really good player. And one of the things about Derek Carr to me that has always impressed me was he just looked like a natural leader. But then when I heard that he's being benched and wants to be away from the team, whether that's the team's decision or Derek Carr's, uh, to not be a distraction, that seems to fly completely defiantly in the face of leadership. You know, look at Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan lost his gig, was on the sidelines, and, you know, wearing the hat, laughing, cheering guys on, helping out. That's a true leader. I'm not saying that Derek Carr is not, but there appears to be something that that misfired in that, you know, why would he need, why would he be a distraction if he's truly a leader? Yeah, uh, Schefter reported that Stidham's backup with Derek Carr inactive when they'll be Chase Garbers. And I don't know, I've never heard of a Chase Garbers That before. sounds like something you do in college. Right? <laughs> Chase Garbers? Yeah, it's like a drinking game, right? Let's guess where Chase Garbers played collegiately. We'll each get two guesses. I'll go San Jose State and Valdosta State. Well, I already know because uh, I looked it up last night. Okay, but but you're you're on the right path. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, with, Especially with, with the with which one? San Jose. Okay, so then I will go with Caltech Poly. Go a little big picture, bigger bigger school. All right, last guess here for me. I'm in the state of California, though, right? Correct. Uh, I'll go with Cal Berkeley. California Bearcat. Cal- well, Golden Bear. They're not the Bearcats. I know. I don't know why I said the Bearcats. Golden um, Bears. The Golden Bears. Well, California has had more quarterbacks start in the Super Bowl than any school, by the way. Um, but anyway, my thought, Mark, is this. What the Colts need to determine in going after Derek Carr are two things. Number one, what is there? And we know that the Colts have a lot of cap space. But if you look at Derek Carr's contract, okay, Derek Carr, the next three years, is owed $116 million. The second year of those is really cap heavy, a $43.9 million cap hit. He is due to make over the next three years $32.9 million, million and 41.2 million in base salary over the next three years okay now if you are the Colts what you have to decide is the following and maybe this year 
starts to indicate the answer to them. Are you a team that right now has enough supporting cast around that you are simply a quarterback away from immediately putting yourself in contention? And is the supporting cast that you would be putting around Derek Carr superior to the supporting cast that Las Vegas has provided him? Uh, That's double no right there for me. Okay, fair. Now, like I have said many times, that I believe that Derek Carr is an underappreciated player. And I think the dysfunction of the Raiders, from coaching changes to personnel changes, just all draft misses, I believe there are a lot of things happening around Derek Carr that were at no fault of Derek Carr. However, when you look at the Colts roster this year, you now have enough body like enough evidence, I believe, through the body of work between Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, and Nick Foles, I think there's enough body of work with it. And I realize those guys are playing at a more aged level than is Derek Carr, or than would be Derek Carr if you were to acquire him. But nonetheless, I think that we have seen enough now to know that you probably are closer to just going ahead and rebuilding with a young quarterback and ripping off that Band-Aid than you are putting another quarterback in there to give it another go with this supporting cast. I think they have a really good defense, but I don't think they protect the quarterback enough, and I don't think that they have enough weapons for him to throw to. And so while I think Derek Carr, my first thought when I saw that Derek Carr was was potentially potentially available was, okay, I have said on the air many times how much I like Derek Carr. I've been very open about it, but does that mean that automatically that I think the Colts need to go out and get him? And my answer for that, I believe, is no, because I think now we've seen enough body of work to know that the Colts are not in a position to be a veteran quarterback away from contending. And so, therefore... While I think Derek Carr is a good player, I don't think he's a good player for the situation of the Indianapolis Colts. 100% agree. I mean, I think, especially with the contract that you'll be taking on for him, I, I I mean, he's like a lot of quarterbacks in the league right now. He's serviceable. Is he going to win you a Super Bowl? Probably not. So is it worth taking on that much of a price tag for a quarterback that's just all right? I, I don't I think, think this, so. Though, I do think that... In a vacuum, any of the three veteran quarterbacks that have been with Indianapolis in the last three years, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Phillip Rivers. Rivers played at a pretty good, a pretty high level. Yeah, he was the best they've gotten so far. But in a vacuum, I don't know that you can necessarily, necessarily evaluate just by themselves any one guy and say that everything in terms of shortcoming was on them. No, but the roster's you, gotten worse, I correct. think. Correct. When you when you have enough body of work over the course of three of those guys to say maybe it wasn't on them because you were changing the control of the experiment and getting the same results, right? So the body around the centerpiece clearly wasn't good enough, and so therefore I don't know that it would be good enough for Derek Carr. Paul joins us on the line on a Thursday morning. Hi, Paul. Good morning to you. How you doing, Jake? I'm good, man. Uh, I cannot 
No, the Colts do not need to travel down this road again. Uh, we we tried other teams' cast-offs, and it's not worked. Here's a cast-off for a reason. This is a team that we beat, and why would we want this quarterback in here when he's taking the Carson Wentz approach, which is, you know what, I don't want to be around my team, I don't want to be around the coaches. It, no, it, that, that, that is not who we need in here. For this organization, we need to face the fact that we need a new quarterback in here. When I say new, I mean a young quarterback that we can that we can go through the doldrums and, 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 and come out of it. You know what? Looking good, like Cincinnati did with Burrow, like like Los Angeles had to with uh, Herbert. We, we can grow. We can we can as a, as a diehard coach fan, Jake. What I'm trying to say is. We can go through a, a couple of horrible seasons with a new quarterback versus bringing in a retread in here and being in the same situation. I would rather see a new quarterback in here and the coach grow and learn to win with that guy than lose with the retread. You know, Paul, doesn't it kind of feel like – doesn't it kind of feel like, and I hate to make this comparison because I know the two franchises tire of it, but for the sake of familiarity to the Indianapolis sports fan – doesn't it kind of feel like the Pacers situation where they were like, you know what, we, we can just continue to add like the 21st pick to Miles Turner and Domas Sabonis and go from being the sixth seed to the fourth seed back to the sixth seed every year. Or we can rip the Band-Aid off and just say, you know what, it's going to suck for a year, but we're just going to go young. It, it, it absolutely feels that way. And they, they need to learn, they need to take, take lessons from the Pacers where the Pacers said, you know what, this is not happening anymore, and they they had a horrible season, came out of it, and look, the Pacers are exciting now, and we're not a championship team yet, but everybody's glued to the Pacers because they got this fresh young talent in here, and they're growing together, and that's what the Colts need to hey, do. Hey, Paul, did you work when it was like 35 degrees below zero outside and there was snow blowing around? Yes, I was in at 6 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> that's because like that's because there's no rain, there. sleet, or snow that's going to stop Paul the mailman. I love it. Paul, Paul have a good Thursday, Paul man. always brings the fire. I always Paul love when Paul best. calls. Paul's the best. Let's go one more. One Mo, I should say. Mo, what's up? Not much. Hope you had a happy uh, Christmas and everything. Same to you, sir. Yeah. Um, it's a season uh, for quarterbacks, I guess. I guess. Every time that there's a quarterback going to be open, uh, it's going to be linked to us, obviously because the whole world knows what our problem is. And I think that's kind of what this is. I also think, though, that uh, Chris Ballard is probably losing sleep about this because this is this is like a smoker that can't stop. He's trying to stop smoking. All of a sudden gets around his buddies <laughs> and stuff, and uh, they're all – Puffing away, and he can't so, get away. From so Chris him. Ballard is at bowling night, is what you're saying, right? He's <laughs> yeah, trying to yeah, get off the. He's... You know, this, and what's the irony here is maybe you know here's a quarterback that we were linked to last year, and dealing with a coach who was our coach for what a couple minutes or whatever, and then uh, and, and now they're running through some of the same stuff we are. It's crazy. I think it's just going to go on and on until until we. We have no idea, and I, I think that's about why they, the, the front office is not, you know, transparent with us about what's what they're thinking or anything. Uh, any time, any quarterback, Sam Darnold comes available, he's going to be he's going to be linked to us too. Uh, it's just going to be that way. It's, it's really upsetting as a fan, but I, I'm hoping that they do not. 
I, I like the previous caller. Um, you know, I, I now Mo, you have season I, I you have season tickets, right? Yep. Are you coming yep. to the Houston game? My, yeah. What's that? Are you going to come to the Houston game? Yeah, we are. My son and I are diehard. All right. Well, hey. I, I get so fired up going to the stadium and being ready to play, and I, I as soon as the kickoff takes place, that. You know, I, we kind of reality sets in. But, uh. <laughs> That's right. It's the first time you hear Jack and Diane. You're like, oh, no. <laughs> yes. That's right. Yes. Hey, Mo, I appreciate yes. it, man. Yes. Happy New Year to you, all right? Yes. And safe travels Thank when you. you come over for Houston. That's beautiful. As soon as, as soon as the kickoff happens, he's he's – He's checked out. Okay, reality. Sets in, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think we're at the point now where the fan base would riot if Derek Carr comes in. I think you we're think at so? that. I think we're at that point where everybody's like, "No, not again." We've done this song and dance three different times now. It hasn't worked any time. I think they're totally fine with take a young quarterback, just see what you've got. They'd rather go through the pain and heartache of a rookie learning the ins and outs of the league than going to another retread. Because Derek Carr is 31 years old also. So think about this. He's on the other side of 30. I made this point yesterday about Josh McDaniels, but think about this. I mean, sports to me is fascinating in terms of the intertwine, okay? I don't know that Derek – I have no idea. If I'm Chris Ballard and I'm driving to work, I'm like, see, these guys have no idea what they're talking about. Because we have no evidence that they're for sure going to pursue Derek Carr. No. We, we have no idea, right? But we speak in hypotheticals on Sports Talk Radio. But let's say hypothetically that Derek Carr comes here. I don't know who his coach would be. But I go back to when Indiana, from a basketball standpoint, Indiana, from a basketball standpoint, Indiana University had Mike Davis, who they'd had success with, and then it just kind of started hitting a, a wall and a lull. And... Finally, they're like, you know what? Instead of just toying around with fourth in the Big Ten every year, like let's make, let's be aggressive and make a move. Mike Davis decided on his own to, to walk away. Everybody knew it was time, so they go out and they do this search, you know. And there are all these names that are out there, and then boom, kind of out of left field, they hire Kelvin Sampson, who was successful at Oklahoma. Don't get me wrong, but as Kelvin Sampson's walking to the podium to be announced as the Indiana basketball coach, I remember thinking to myself, this is weird. Because Kelvin Sampson did go to a Final Four, but in the Final Four on the biggest stage in his biggest game, he lost to the guy he's replacing. Mm-hmm. Now, if the Colts were to bring in Derek Carr, then you're like, wait a minute. A year ago, the Colts didn't play well, didn't get good quarterback play down the stretch, and had to make a change at the most important position. And so in doing so, they're bringing in the quarterback who is the who lost to the guy he's replacing. The one win that the Colts got down the stretch was against not only Derek Carr, but also the head coach that is the only head coach that Chris Ballard himself has selected to coach the Indianapolis Colts. Look at that. The way you spun that together. That's pretty impressive. That is wild, though, to think about. Yeah, because I don't know if the Colts are going to get another win so the only one right. to hang your hat on is the Raiders one we beat Chris Ballard's coaching choice and a quarterback that is now going to be linked to the Colts and in defense of Chris Ballard we don't know how legitimate that is but his name was floated around a little bit a year ago according to some reports and so therefore you would think that he is in play mm-hmm. right yep and when you don't have a quarterback 
of course your your team is going to be linked to a guy that potentially might be available in the offseason. Uh, Scott Agnes joins us in 35 minutes. Talk a little Pacers. Zach Kiefer will join us at 9 o'clock, and we'll continue the conversation about the Colts and the quarterback situation. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Scott Agnes joins us now, and I'm sure thrilled to be doing so. No, I'm sure he's the loving breaking up the candy bar Scott, have you had a zero candy bar before? I, not, I Do you mean zero calorie? <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Appreciate <laughs> so it. Yes. Wish. I don't know what a zero candy bar exactly. is. How do you not – you've never seen – it's the – okay, the zero candy bar is the one that – You've seen it on the rack a thousand times. You've just never had it. It's the one in a silver wrapper with blue writing. It looks like Philadelphia cream cheese, apparently. It, it does. Or a York peppermint patty. Okay. I was going to guess a white label, but no. It doesn't immediately come to mind. See? See? I'm not alone in this. Okay. <laughs> well, here's the thing, Scott. A zero candy bar is the one on the shelf that you've seen it a thousand times. You've never actually divulge your you know like like dove in and then once you did you're like you know what this is way better than i thought that would be what member of the pacers roster Ooh. uh that still needs to be unwrapped type of thing yeah or when you just when you forget about it then you realize that it's better than you thought o'shea Brissett. I mean that's always the case, yeah, absolutely. With with O'Shea, yeah, let's go. Let, we can go there for sure because to start the last two seasons, he's been out of the rotation. Then to your point, he's unwrapped. He plays off the bench, starts getting regular minutes, and you know the way in which he produces, doing the little things, and then the scoring is all just a little bit of a bonus. Let's go back to Scott Agnes is our guest, by the way, from Fieldhouse Files. We're talking about the Pacers who are in action tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're coming off their win at the Fieldhouse over Atlanta. We talked about this a little yesterday, Scott, but I wanted to, to get your thought on it as well. A guy that I have been very high on for the Pacers, but probably three-quarters the way through the game against Atlanta, it just simply dawned on me when I looked up and saw him that he hadn't been on the floor yet does or what does Isaiah Jackson need to do to get back in rotation or is this simply a matter not necessarily of what he's not doing but what other players are yeah yeah, that's a fair question I think first of all some a couple of the bigs have just had had a difficult time it seems like the last couple of weeks right with Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson their minutes are clearly down there's been several games where um, Jalen Smith, who's been the starting four, who was the starting four, was you know getting nine, twelve, and fifteen minutes instead of twenty and twenty-five. Um, so I think one, both of them have um, have kind of hit a wall or haven't produced at the level uh, expected of them. Secondly, though, um, I think you've seen really strong contributions from Aaron Neesmith and especially Andrew Nemhard. Nobody expected Nemhard to be a 
key cog of the starting lineup, taking on the defensive responsibilities that he has this season, oftentimes taking the opponent's best player. So those two things have taken up some minutes um, as well. And then thirdly, I think, generally speaking, this is how Rick wants to play. You, you want to play the more modern style of offense where all five players out there are, are versatile, can shoot threes, can spread the floor. Um, and so when he, when Rick changed the starting lineup a couple of weeks ago, put Neesmith in for Jalen Smith, I think also that's part of it as well. It's his preferred group. But the number one thing is with Isaiah specifically is his production was down. He battled some injuries and hadn't quite had it the last several weeks. Scott Agnes of the Fieldhouse Files joining Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Scott, I've been a big fan of Buddy Heald since he arrived in the trade uh, with Demonis Sabonis and Tyrese Halberton. Is he? He's always been a trade piece discussion, I feel like, since he arrived on the roster. Is he, be, is he becoming, is he still a trade piece or is he becoming more of a cog on the Pacers roster now? In your eyes, yeah, hey Mark, yeah, it's here's the thing with Buddy is that he's a hooper and he was just kind of out of place, misfit, maybe past his time, wearing out his welcome in Sacramento. Um, he doesn't make it his feelings towards his previous situation a, a secret at all. He wanted out, they wanted him gone, um, and then he came here and has just been rejuvenated, reinvigorated, and and I, I thought it was interesting the other night he kind of slipped in the word "I'm at peace." And I, was, I thought that was unique for a player like him. He just turned 30 a, a week or two ago. Um, and generally, I think that has you re- reassessing your situation, what you appreciate, where you're at in life, things like that. Now, in terms of you know his trade availability and those sorts, sort of things, what I think is interesting is we all assume, right, he's on the – He's under trade consideration and all that. And I think that's, number one, the fact that he's a little bit older, um, doesn't exactly fit a rebuild. He's never been part of the playoffs. Um, and that's something he really liked to do, obviously, like any player. Um, and I think that lends itself towards trade discussion, right? And there's the obvious connection previously with the Lakers and how Rob Palinka, who's the who's uh, you know the GM over there, was his former agent, by the way. So there are a lot of connecting dots. The Pacers are very happy with Buddy. They love and uh, I think Buddy's done more than anyone had expected here. I think it's natural for him to be mentioned in trade conversations, but there's not exactly urgency, I don't believe, to trade him considering his deal, his contributions, his three-point shooting, what he adds with Tyrese and that that brotherly relationship. Um, so I think the Pacers likely would be willing to deal him, but they're not seeking it out. They're not desperate. They're not pushing to move buddy by any means the best part about it is his he's shooting well and his contract actually goes down it's a de-escalating contract so he gets cheaper actually next year scott when tell me again when the trade deadline is uh you're looking at early february okay so we still have some time most so, two conversations what, six weeks or so okay so yeah, exactly. the, the question i have is and is this the first year in, I don't know, a handful or so, but is it safe to say that this is a unique year for the Pacers at the trade deadline? Because while there may be pieces they'd like to acquire, there are not pieces that they need to subtract. 
Uh, I think that's fair for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Um, the only thing you'll th- that you might need to necessarily subtract would be when it concerns Miles Turner purely from a contract standpoint, which is not, I believe, what you weren't were not getting at. Well, and um, so here's the thing, Scott. Like I, you know, I had a conversation with with Kevin Pritchard at the beginning of the season where he was pretty open about the fact of his, you know, just his disappointment with, with Victor Oladipo's decision to want out essentially. And does that require, in other words, I do think that the Pacers would like to come to a deal with Miles Turner, but are the Pacers going to be a little bit hesitant or walking on eggshells through that negotiation of not holding out to the level that – holding out's maybe the wrong word. But in other words, if there's like a, a standoff, if you will, do the Pacers – are they prone to be more accelerated in their movement of him just to secure that they get something for him in case he doesn't want to resign here because of the fact they've been burnt by that in the past? I, I think it's a little bit of a different situation here because – because Miles has been nothing but loyal to the franchise. He's embraced the city. He's embraced the fans. He's had fan sections. Um, he's he's done just about all the Pacers have asked from him. And I don't think he's signaled like previous certain guys have that, hey, I want to get out of here or I don't enjoy it here. I'm not having fun here. I have not seen those signals. I've not heard those signals um, from Miles at all. He loves being part of this group. He, he's said and at least from what I've seen, done all the right things positively towards the franchise, unlike you know some things in the past with other players like you're referencing. I think you're correct. With, with Miles, though, what it's going to come down to mostly is, one, what kind of trade offers are you getting by the deadline? And two, what kind of contract number are both sides comfortable with? I think both would like to be here, um, again, it just comes down to for the right price. I feel like that with Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, they're both comfortable with the Pacers right now because the pressure's kind of taken off of them. There's so many guys that are contributing that they don't feel the need that they got to be the guy that takes over in scoring because they can rely on Benedict Mathurin and Tyrese Halliburton or uh, Neesmith is going to step up or something like that. So I feel like there's they've just got a good dynamic going. With that said, um, obviously both teams have been both players have been linked to trade talks for 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 forever uh is there a more likelihood that they're traded or now do you think the pacers are possibly keeping considering keeping both of them yeah so it's it's interesting i'd i'd love to be in that conference room at the st vincent center with the front office right now because one we can all agree they've out out exceeded expectations to this point they're right now in the playoff picture will that continue should it continue there's all those different dynamics that are in play here. They got to be talking about what kind of number they'd be willing to uh, offer miles. And they're in a unique spot here with a ton of cap space where they can do something a little bit different, unique in that they can renegotiate miles current contract. It's, there's a lot I could go on here, but basically you could give him money now and extend his contract, which is a little bit different than a, a typical contract extension that wouldn't necessarily kick in until say next season. That would actually help both franchises. Pacers have to still spend more money this year to get over the the uh, floor um, when it comes to the salary cap, which they will. It's usually no big deal, but this is one of 
many ways that they could. So that's something the front office has to be considering um, here at the trade deadline. I just came back from Vegas last week. That's the G League showcase. Just about every executive was there. This is usually where those conversations get started. I mean, everywhere you walk, there's there's agents and, and executives talking at restaurants and you know casino floor, just talking and and especially there on on the bas- two basketball courts. And so the the general consensus I got there as you know was Pacers are mostly just thinking about going ahead and and not consider not really seeking out let's say trade talks and being you know not yeah, having I mean Scott specifically active they've got but, it however I will preface Jake again we said it's still what six weeks away but that's right. where they are today but they've got a good young core I mean it feels like they they have planted the seeds of a good young core that mm-hmm. you just continue to water it and and you know sure I, I think they'd love to get a wing defender for example to go along with what Aaron Neesmith brings defensively in that area, maybe somebody a little longer. But outside of that, you know, I think they're in pretty good shape. The question I was going to have for you, Scott, before I start asking about candy bars, is what? Um, who else in the East is in – if you look at like two- to three-year window in terms of youth players that are going to be under contract for a while, what other franchises are set up the way Indiana is right now? Um, first one that comes to mind probably is their opponent, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, adding Donovan Mitchell, all those young guys that they have up front from the draft a couple of years ago with Evan Mobley and, and Jared Allen, those sorts of things. I think they're right. The, the first teams that come to mind elsewhere, like Brooklyn and Philly, like they could be broken up at any moment. Right. Uh, Miami right. due for a breakup. So I, you I, know, I, I, I feel Cleveland, like Detroit. Boston, I, Boston's already there, certainly, but they're going to hang around there. Um, and, and then Toronto, Toronto will always be in that conversation and figure it out. And Detroit's interesting because, I mean, you know, they lose Cunningham for the year. Jaden Ivey, that's going to give him plenty of opportunity to probably handle the ball and play off the ball. And then they're mm-hmm. going to have a top pick. I mean, if they get the one or two pick, Detroit kind of emerges themselves in two years right back into the thick as well, don't you think? Yeah, they keep stacking individual talent. What we haven't seen is them put it together and mesh and have that connectivity like the Pacers. But in, in terms of raw talent, absolutely. They keep adding all these great pieces. Jalen Durant uh, at 18 rebounds last night. He was a fantastic pick, I think, for them in the middle. Um, so they could, if they ultimately are able to put it together as a group in a couple of years, absolutely. Okay, Scott, you're in a gas station. You go in to get yourself a Coke, and then you think, you know what, I'm kind of hungry. You're going to get a candy bar, but you're going to go a little off the beaten path this time, so you're not going with one of the staples. And by staples, oh, you know, man. What, what are you going with? Okay. Well, the first thing that comes to mind, I feel like this is a, a conversation you have a lot, is what do you grab? My, my thing would probably be combos. But in, Oh, in the, the best road trip food ever, yes. Yeah, yeah, keep you around for quite a while. You keep digging in the bag. In terms of <laughs> other candy bars... I don't know. I my secondary. I feel like a crunch bar is a secondary. Yeah, that's a good one. That's good. Now, crunch or crackle? Which one do you go with? Crunch. I'm okay. not. I've never heard of crackle. Come on, man. Crackle's the stepbrother. Crack, no, basically, crackle is the first. You, <laughs> listen, I, I, obviously, I'm more of a candy bar connoisseur than I realized. So Nestle makes crunch. It's the Nestle Crunch Bar. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Crackle is the red wrapped answer to the Nestle Crunch made by Hershey. Now, 
then, and I, I can't remember which one it is, there's somebody else that got creative and took that and then added a layer of caramel in the middle, and that's the 100 grand bar. Okay. Okay. You are kind of a candy nerd. (laughs) Yeah. 100 grand's good. Uh, uh, Listen, O. Henry. O. Henry's really good. I mean, O. Henry's very underrated. There's a lot of good candy bars. I'm surprised you guys haven't, like, I mean. I think think my biggest response is that my dentist probably loves the fact that I am poor in answering these questions. I can't remember, honestly, the last candy bar I purchased. Now, I got a Snickers in my stocking. But okay. I can't remember I'll the last that. candy bar I purchased. So it's apparently the same guy that is Snickers in your stocking is better than a baby Ruth in the pool. Better than in your coffee, like you, <laughs> right, Mark? Yeah. There you go. I'll get you out on this one, Scott, just so we can save the candy talk. Uh, can the Pacers sign Tyrese Halberton's dad to some sort of like motivational speaker? Uh, I really like that video of him pumping up Buddy Heald the other night. Did you? I had a lot of um, questions about that. Mostly, I thought it was kind of funny that they're just like, hey, go score. All right. All right, I will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You First of all, I love that he's around. His parents are sitting courtside at every game. But I don't know. I, I thought it was interesting to be sure. You know, right before players are about to go warm up, he's there talking with the guys and and. and I don't know if you want that or not, quite frankly. Well, Pacers um, tweeted it out, so they obviously don't mind it. So they've yeah, it they've embraced it. All of us of uh, maybe John Morant's dad or Carl uh, Anthony Towns. I think it's better than Lamella Balls. Yeah, I was gonna say it could be worse. <laughs> yeah, but somehow they've managed to to quiet him. When's the last time you've seen? Oh, we were just talking about that the dad. other day. Yeah, I guess once they've he done, realized they've been fantastic. It's almost like Michael Jordan said, "Hey." Shut up. Let me manage your kid here. We're good. We don't need you. Scott, in all honesty, I had heard that when Lonzo Ball was at UCLA, that that in all honesty, that Lonzo Ball was a really good teammate and was not really a hassle at all, and that TJ Leaf was the one that was kind of a diva. That's what I've always heard. I don't know how true that is. I didn't hear that last part, but the first part in terms of what Lonzo was is how he acts. You're absolutely right. Yeah, Yeah, that he was a good teammate, right? Good, Super low-key, good teammate. Yeah, I heard the same. Scott, Um, appreciate the time as always. Scott Agnes with the Fieldhouse Files. Scott, have a great new year. Appreciate you jumping on with us every time we we, uh, we ask you to. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers. Thanks, man. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Uh, Zach Kiefer joins us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. We've been talking a lot about the Colts this morning, and Zach, I'm sure this will stun you, but a topic of the conversation and I'm sure that this name is probably there are probably guys doing morning radio in Denver this morning that have talked about this guy. There are probably guys doing morning radio in Charlotte that have talked about this guy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but Derek Carr, are we wasting oxygen by analyzing and looking at this, or do you think the Colts will kick the tires? And do we even know if he's available for that matter? I think he's going to be available, Jake. Um, I think the easy joke is here he comes. And I'll tell you why he's not coming. The Colts are tired of the rent a QB cycle. They're tired of mm. picking up someone else's scrap quarterback. Do you think Chris Ballard's tired of it or do you think Jim Mercer is or both? I know Jim Mercer is tired of it. I think Chris Ballard has to be too. It's exhausting. They've swung and missed the last two times they've done that. And I think the, the Philip Rivers success they had in twenty twenty sort of emboldened them to keep doing this, even though it is a very 
risky enterprise. Like, look at the situation they're in right now with Matt Ryan. They pushed back some money to 2023, thinking this is going to be a two-year marriage. And now they're going to have to eat $18 million even if he doesn't play for the team next year. 35 if he does. And, and he's not your starter, right? So there's just huge financial implications to these decisions. And I think Derek Carr is going to be starting somewhere. I think it's probably the New York Jets, if I'm just going to throw out a name today. But, no, Jake, I think from, from, from my talks with Jim Mercer in the last six, seven months, this team from the very top is tired of going the veteran QB route. It's time to go draft one. So is it because they don't want to kick the tires and Derek Carr and go down that path again, or they truly like the quarterback class that's going to be available in 2023? That's something, Mark, we're going to find out in the next couple of months, right? Because they're going to say certain things over the next couple of months, and what they really mean is what we're going to learn come April 28th or 29th in the first round. Do they really like these quarterbacks enough to take one in the top five or six? Um, but the reality is, and this is a story I have up this morning on The Athletic, Matt Ryan's contract is, is not easy to get out of. You're going to have to eat $18 million if you release him. If he's on the roster, it's $35 million. So you're kind of hoping he retires. Now, Nick Foles' contract is much more manageable. It's just $1.5 next year if you release him. But don't you need somebody on the roster in terms of a veteran quarterback if you do draft a quarterback, because it doesn't necessarily mean that these guys, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, I'm not really sure these guys are ready to start right away. Not like the last two times the Colts have drafted a quarterback in round one. So they're going to have to bring in a veteran of some sort. But really, if you ask me right now, I don't think it's going to be Nick Foles that's here next year. I think Nick Foles retired. He came here to play for Frank Reich. He's made that very clear. Frank's not here. I just don't see Foles coming back to Indianapolis. Zach, Zach Kiefer of The Athletic is our guest on the Payless Sugars Hotline. The reality is this, if we're to point it this simply or put it in terms this simply, are the Colts going to draft a quarterback six months from now or whatever it is, five, four months from now? Are they going to do that because they are in love with a quarterback and feel like that's the guy or because they painted themselves into a corner where they can't avoid it any longer. Yeah, that's dangerous, right, Jake? Like telling yourself you have to draft a right. position. And it runs against everything they've preached for years, right? And at some point, you're going to have to roll the dice. At some point, you're going to have to stop being scared, and you're going to have to draft a quarterback. And this is the best chance they've had since really 2018 when they had the third pick. Now they traded back to six and picked up a couple second rounders with the Jets. But yeah, Jake, I mean, that's something that they're thinking about. Like, I know Jim Irsay wants a quarterback. I know he wants to draft one with that first pick. But I also know Jim Irsay knows that if you force yourself into a position, that's really dangerous. You talk yourself into a guy, and then you try to make it work, and, and that's not the way to do it. You have to let it work sort of organically. And the reality is they're going to draft a quarterback, and he's going to come into a team that's not going to be perfect. I mean, there's a lot of worry on this offensive line. We don't know who's going to be back next year. Um, we don't know if they have a good left tackle or not. So, you know, those are things they're going to have to weigh. Like, it's not just drafting a guy. It's committing to build the right way around him. And that didn't go great the last time they took a quarterback really high in the draft. You know, the other thing, Zach, and I hope this makes sense what I'm about to say, where I think the Colts have erred is if you're truly evaluating – whether or not your offensive roster is a quarterback away, it's kind of hard to know that because 
the quarterbacks that they keep putting in there are the same guy. You know, <laughs> whether and, and Philip Rivers played at a high level, and kudos to him. But Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, with you know on on the bad ankle, Nick Foles, Matt Ryan. To me, they're all guys that their limitations were the same. So it's kind of hard to truly assess and evaluate what that offense looks like if they had a young, mobile, and dynamic leader. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think part of that is is the allure of Sam Ellinger back in, what is it, late October, from the higher-ups was, oh, he's, he's mobile. He can move around more than, more than Nick and more than Matt. Yeah, I mean, sure, but let's not call this what it isn't he's not Lamar Jackson and so you're right like that's going to be the fun thing is that's the future and I know that Jim Irsay knows this and and he hasn't ruled out like playing two quarterbacks sort of within the same season because he thinks that might be the future unless you have a star quarterback like a Mahomes or an Allen or etc so I think they're they're looking sort of at the new wave and how these guys do it and that was sort of the allure of Sam Ellinger on a much lesser scale, right? He's not as dynamic as some of those other guys. But I, I think, you know, the mobile mobility, and, and Frank Reich talked about this, like if you can get a quarterback who can run for three first downs in a game, that can change everything. And you guys know, I mean, the last two games the Colts started, someone besides Matt Ryan, they're 0 for 24 on third down. So any any way you can find those those first downs, that's a good thing. Zach, let's say the Colts end up with the sixth overall pick in the draft let's just 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 hypothetically put it there if there's a QB the Colts want do you think Chris Ballard assuming he's here as GM in 2023 would they be bold enough to go trade up and go get him we know that Ballard's been pretty conservative when it comes to you know trading up with draft capital and all that stuff do you think that would be kind of like a mandate from Jim Irsay himself like hey go get this guy no matter what it costs how do you think they would approach that that if that scenario comes up Mark I'm not ruling anything out this season has shown us that anything can happen. And, and Ballard has been aggressive at very, very few instances where he wants to go get a guy, whether it's in free agency or through a trade or in the draft. He has traded up to go get guys before. It's usually in the third round. It's not the splash ones in the first round that we think of. But, look, I mean, they're going <laughs> to – the interesting thing about Will Levis, and this is a guy that everybody has them pegged to, the Kentucky quarterback, huge arm, built like Andrew Luck, disappointing season this year with a lot of moving parts around us. Here's the interesting part about that. Brad White is a defensive coordinator at the University of Kentucky, and he was here for a couple years. Chris Ballard knows him really well. If they draft this guy, it's because Brad White, I think, signed off on him. He's been there every day. There's no better scout in the world than someone who's in the building with this guy every day. If they don't, it's probably because Brad White didn't sign off on him. So I think that's a fascinating layer in this. They've got a really good set of eyes that are inside the Kentucky program. So if they are drafting six, like you said, Mark, that's probably the guy they're going to have the best shot at. And does that mean they have to get up to five or four? We'll see who's up there. We'll see who wants a quarterback. Carolina, I don't know what Seattle does. I don't know if they want a quarterback. Chicago probably doesn't draft one. Houston definitely does. That's going to be fascinating over the next couple of months. But look, like it's time to go get one. Like This is not working. You can't sit back and wait for one, and you can't be afraid to fail either. Zach Keepers, our guest from The Athletic. He's on the Payless Sigurds Hotline. Zach, um, obviously you heard Jim Mersey's comments regarding Chris Ballard in the pregame um, the other night on ESPN. Is there any chance that – I'm not saying that I'm hoping for this, that, that came out the wrong way, but uh, Jim Mersey has been one that has 
you know, change his mind at the 11th hour at times. Any chance that happens with Chris Ballard? And then the, the follow-up, I guess, to that would be, do we know for certain that Chris Ballard wants to be here? Yeah, good question, Jake. Totally fair. Um, anything is possible. Like, I can't harp on this enough. Like, they hired an ESPN analyst in week nine to, to coach this team. Like, anything is possible. They, they blew a 33-point halftime lead. Like, anything is possible right now with this franchise. I can't stress that enough. Look, I've talked to Jim Irsay during the season. He intends to bring Chris Ballard back. That is what he's saying. He has not wavered on that. I really do believe that. Now, he's made three unilateral decisions above Chris Ballard in the last calendar year that are very fascinating. That leads into your second question, right? Does Chris Ballard want to be here? From my conversations with Chris and from everything I've heard, absolutely, he does want to be here. He built this. He's responsible for this mess. Um, And I think a big part of him wants to fix that because there's very obvious holes and there's very obvious roster flaws that have his hands on it. So um, from everything I understand, he absolutely wants to be here. But I think it's a fair question because when you're a general manager and you're not making those decisions on who's the interim coach and who's, who's the quarterback you keep, that can be really difficult. I think it's a fair question to ask. If you're giving a letter grade at the end of the season for Chris Ballard and Jeff Saturday, what grade are they treading towards? I mean, you guys want me to be real? It's an F. It's a complete failure. Like, you don't get – there's no, like, sympathy points. Like, this is a mess, and they're both guilty. And like I said at the beginning, I said at the beginning, like, I'm not blaming Jeff Saturday for this. Like, and maybe my stance has changed, and I don't know where you guys are at. Like, I'm not blaming Parks Frazier for this. And, and Jeff, I don't know why he took this job. I think he likes the challenge, and I think he loves the Colts, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think the guys like him. The coaches like him and the players like him, and there's something to be said for that because this is such a strange situation, and they're completely getting worse by the week. But I'm not blaming Jeff Saturday for this. This is, this is Chris Ballard, and, and more so this is Jim Ursay. Like, this is the bed they've made. So, Mark, I mean, to answer your question, this is a team that was picked to win the AFC South. Some had them multiple playoff wins. And to be where they're at right now, to embarrass themselves the way they did on Monday Night Football and the week before and what I saw in Minnesota and the week before and what I saw in Dallas, this is an F. Everybody involved deserves an F. So if it's an F, that's that's why I can't wrap my head around it. Then why why is this team an effort? It, it wasn't good enough for Frank Reich, who's gone, but it's good enough for Chris Bauer to possibly come back, put his name on another draft class, draft the future quarterback of this franchise, possibly hand out contract extensions. And, why, and, and, and it's not going to be a one-year thing. It'll probably be multiple years. Why is it good enough for Chris Ballard? An F effort, yet he's going to get another crack at free agency, future quarterback, draft class, all that, contract extensions. Why is that good enough for him? Yeah, that's a good question, and that's one we'll have to ask Jim Mercer after the season because he's the only one who answers that because he's the only one who makes that decision. Um, you know, I did talk to Jim about a month ago, and he said, look, Chris has been up against it. Now, there's been a lot that's come their way. I totally understand that. Context is important. I think they were really on the come in 2018 when Luck was healthy. He retired. Everyone knows what happened. But the grace period's up. It's been up for a couple of years. It's over. Um, they have screwed this up royally the last two years with the quarterback spot. Um, I think a big part of it, Mark, is, is the draft. I think Jim Mercer thinks very highly of Chris Ballard's ability to draft. And Jim is not going to go in the draft room and pick players. Like, he's not going to be scouting and studying these guys. Like, that's what his GM is for. And in most cities, the GM, you know, does the other things that Jim Mercer has been sort of stepping in on over the last couple of months. But 
Um, that's going to be something they sort out. And whoever this new coach is, whether it's Jeff Saturday or somebody else, um, you know, where it's just it's messy. If you guys go back to 2017, they kept on Chuck Pagano, and they start. It just it's just really awkward when you have a GM and coach that's sort of an arranged marriage. And that's what this is going to be. Do you keep Ballard on the entire time? The new coach stays here. Like it's just. It's sort of setting them up to fail, almost in a way. It's just, I just feel like it doesn't usually end well when it goes like this. Zach, let me give you another one that's awkward because we like this guy. And I think that the shortcomings of this player this year have kind of flown under the radar because we have, we've kind of been listening to, to the knocking under the hood everywhere, but in the actual perhaps centerpiece of where there's issue and I know that they had and I said this earlier I want to be very careful for both me and you to protect us here Zach that I don't want people to misunderstand us Ryan Kelly went through a very heartbreaking and terrible personal loss with his wife losing a daughter last year and I know how you know. I I don't by any stretch of the imagination that that takes priority. That you know his family that is the most important thing. I don't know if that's the reason that he's regressed this year. I want to be sensitive to it if it is. But the reality is, from a football standpoint, he has regressed. And next year his contract triples. Are the Colts going to have an uncomfortable situation of analyzing the center position? Yeah, I. You know, like respectfully to Ryan, I can't answer that. I don't think anybody besides he can. But to be, you know, totally football-minded, he's regressed. He hasn't been the same player. Ryan will tell you that. He's told me that after (laughs) dang near every game. Like, they understand where the problems are. And and the same can be said for Quentin Nelson. And the same can be said for Braden Smith at times. Although I think Braden's been pretty good, pretty up to his standard most of the season. But, you know, to answer your second question, Jake, I think you look at every single piece of this roster and you reevaluate. You look at every dollar you're spending. You look at where it's going. You look at a team built around a left guard and an off-ball linebacker who missed most of the season. Do you pay a running back top dollar? I, I'm not saying Jonathan Taylor isn't one of the best running backs in the league, but do you want to be a team that's built to win in 1995 when you're supposed to win in 2023 and – um, they just have some fascinating contract and money decisions to make. And I think everything needs to be evaluated. And every player on this roster, no matter what they've done in the past, needs to be evaluated. And I think Ryan Kelly is a part of that discussion. Because one of these, a, a trade or, you know, moving some pieces or just releasing guys, I think that's completely on the table because of how badly this has gone. By the way, I'm sure you're thrilled to know, Zach, Kiki QT re-signed to the practice squad for the Colts. Big news at the receiver position, right? Hell yeah. Just did that about 10 minutes ago. That was just announced, I believe. Um, Changes the season. That's right. <laughs> they released tight end Dominique Daphne. That was actually the sound you heard. The Colts backing Dominique Daphne out of the complex is what you heard behind Zach. Oh, gotcha. Okay. It was, on the, it was on a forklift. Uh, the Athletic is where you can read Zach Kiefer's work. Zach, appreciate it as always. Happy New Year to you, man. Thanks, guys. You too.